It's Tuesday, March the 9th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, presidential door reopens for Lula, and Apollo and Athene merge. First, the world in brief. The criminal record of Luiz Inácio Lula da Silva, a left-wing former president of Brazil, was annulled by the country's Supreme Court. Lula served as president for two terms, from 2003 to 2011, then served nearly two years in jail on contentious charges of corruption. The annulment entitles Lula to challenge the incumbent right-winger, President Jair Bolsonaro, in 2022. Health officials in America said that people who are fully vaccinated against COVID-19 can now gather indoors in small groups unmasked. They will also be exempt from quarantining if they come into contact with someone with the disease, unless they show symptoms. The advice applies to people who received their final jab at least two weeks ago, currently around 31 million Americans. President Bashar al-Assad of Syria and his wife tested positive for COVID-19. The government said the pair were in good health and would self-isolate. Around 1,000 Syrians are reported to have died from the disease, although the war-ravaged condition of the country's health service makes the true toll impossible to gauge. Congolese child soldiers and other victims of Bosco Antaganda, a former warlord, will receive $30 million in compensation, the International Criminal Court ruled. It is the highest award ever made by the court. Mr. Antaganda was sentenced to 30 years' imprisonment in 2019 after being convicted of mass murder, rape and abduction in Congo during the early 2000s. Mohamedou Isoufou, Niger's departing president, won the $5 million Ibrahim Prize for exceptional leadership in Africa. Isoufou, in office since 2011, was praised for his work in reducing poverty in one of the world's poorest countries. The award requires African leaders to be democratically elected and respect term limits. Past recipients include Ellen Johnson Sirleaf, Liberia's former president. Apollo Global Management, a private equity firm, said it would merge with Athene Holding, a life insurance company it created in 2009. This combined financial group will have a market value of almost $30 billion. The merger ends a lucrative fee arrangement between the two companies. Apollo already holds the biggest stake in Athene, which is also its largest client. And the Nasdaq share index closed 2.2% down, correction territory, as investors shunned technology firms in favour of other shares. Tech stocks had a bumper 2020, buoyed by lockdown workers and consumers. But with the economic outlook beginning to look rosier, cyclical sectors such as banks and commodities become more appealing. The Dow Jones Industrial Average is hovering near a record high. And now, here's today's agenda. Playing catch-up, America's Indo-Pacific Command. Admiral Philip Davidson commands virtually every American in uniform between the Himalayas and Hawaii. Last week, he warned that China would outmatch them within five years. 
Today, he will go cap in hand to the Senate Armed Services Committee to ask for tens of billions of dollars to shore up his Indo-Pacific command as part of a new Pacific deterrence initiative. He wants $4.7 billion in 2021 and 2022, more than the entire defense budget of a medium-sized regional power like the Philippines, and $22.7 billion in additional spending between 2023 and 2027. One aim is to better protect Guam, an American island, from missiles. Another is to upgrade facilities across Asia so American forces could disperse if their main bases in Guam, Japan and South Korea came under attack. Admiral Davidson also wants $3.3 billion for a string of new missiles near China's coast. America's partners are distinctly unenthusiastic about hosting them. Apocalypse avoided? Protests in Senegal Since last week, widespread protests have engulfed Senegal. The trigger was the arrest of Usman Sonko, the leading opposition figure for public disorder. He was arrested on his way to court to answer a separate rape charge. Protesters claim President Macky Sall is using the legal system against opposition leaders. Two others have been jailed during his tenure. Mr Sall denies these allegations. There is also anger about scarce jobs and COVID-19 curfews. The media regulator suspended two private television channels for covering the protests and social media apps have been throttled. Angry youth have attacked businesses, especially those associated with France, the former colonizer. At least eight people have been killed. On Sunday, the government ombudsman, Aliun Badara Sisse, said that Senegal was on the verge of an apocalypse. Perhaps in light of this, today Mr Sonko was released on bail and the army was out on the streets. Still, protests are likely to continue. Hashtag Todos, Upheaval in Paraguay Paraguay's president, Mario Abdo Benitez, asked his entire cabinet to resign on Saturday to quell protests over the government's handling of the pandemic. The country of 7 million has only 4,000 doses of COVID-19 vaccine. Patients' families took to social media to denounce shortages of medicines, which they were asked to buy at high prices in private pharmacies. Some drugs had labels suggesting they were intended for public hospitals, but were traded on the black market. The protests, which soon moved to the streets, intensified on Friday when the police fired tear gas and rubber bullets. One person was killed and 20 were injured. The next day, the president announced that he planned to replace four ministers, including the health minister who had resigned on Friday. But it is not clear whether this will satisfy the protesters, who are demanding the resignations of both the president and the vice president. One of their slogans is hashtag que se vayan todos, everyone out. International Imbalance, Violence Against Women International Women's Day on March 8th is meant to highlight inequalities faced by women around the world. One of the grimmest is violence at the hands of men, which is much worse in some countries than others. Women in poor places are most at risk, with widespread hardships increasing the likelihood that men will lash out and making societies more tolerant of abuse. Women in Africa are more than four times as likely to be killed by their partners or families than those in Europe. In Afghanistan and Congo, more than one in three women report being assaulted by their husbands in the past year. 
Such figures probably do not tell the whole story. A study found that when their anonymity was assured, women in Rwanda revealed twice as much abuse as when they were asked directly. But women everywhere are campaigning with growing boldness for stronger laws and against sexist attitudes. Rebound Redux – The World Economy Many forecasters were too pessimistic about the world economy's recovery from the first wave of the pandemic. In June, the OECD predicted that global GDP would shrink by 7.6% in 2020, should a second wave of the virus strike. By December, it had revised its forecast contraction to 4.2%. Its interim economic outlook, released today, is likely to contain more reasons to be upbeat. Many recent business surveys have been strong, and in America, where jobs data for February greatly surpassed expectations, Congress is on the brink of passing President Joe Biden's $1.9 trillion stimulus. Although Europe lacks a fiscal boost of comparable scale and is struggling with new variants of the virus, its manufacturing sector is doing well. The big economy most likely to be left out of the global growth acceleration is China, which did not take as big a knock during the pandemic and is reining in its stimulus. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Carrie Chapman Catt, who died on this day in 1947. No written law has ever been more binding than unwritten custom supported by popular opinion. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening. 